The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the day after Christmas. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Hopefully, you got to spend some time with those people that you love in person or at least over zoom skype or facetime i hope all of you got what you wanted for christmas but you got to give joy to others or if you're someone who really just wants to be left alone i have been there various times throughout my life and so if you just wanted to be left alone hopefully you had a good time all by yourself folks hopefully you guys didn't get too plastered you know too drunk as you know i've only drank uh what two or three times since february 13th it was the day we had uh, decided that we were pretty sure that Maggie was pregnant, so she had to stop drinking, and so I stopped drinking. But then when I went to Poland in July and August to visit her family, her father makes whiskey and wine and limoncello and sherry, as I've mentioned. And so I was pushed into drinking ladies and gentlemen i was my wife said don't be rude you got to drink with my dad so i had a couple of shots with him one day of the grain alcohol that he makes which is the base for his whiskey and his sherry and limoncello and then we went to visit her father's brother and i had to get kind of tipsy with those two characters and then i might have had a beer and some wine on another day but i haven't drank since then well on christmas eve i went out by myself to a friend's party folks and i had three or four beers and then i had three or four cocktails followed up by three or four shots and i never do this i never ever ever do this but i decided that i was going to be responsible so i drove a taxi home and it was the first time in my life uh not in my life but since i've been here in maryland that i drove a taxi home and so for all of you you need to be responsible and look out uh for yourself and for others because luckily as i was driving the taxi home there was a checkpoint a dui checkpoint and the cops waved the taxi right through obviously because it was a taxi and so then i woke up christmas morning and i was trying to figure out uh whose taxi was parked in my garage folks that's right i drove the taxi home apparently i stole it from somebody no i did not drink at all over christmas that was some cheesy joke a friend of mine's father from uh when i grew up kindergarten through high school 
he was a pretty cool guy, actually. Back when we used to uh, sneak cigarettes in 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, his father was a big Marlboro Red smoker. And so he would save the Marlboro Miles back in the day. You used to save those up, and there was points and then a catalog, and you can get really cheesy stuff like a Marlboro windbreaker, a Marlboro tent, like a camping tent. You know, Marlboro uh, golf bag, you know, stuff like that. So his father had garbage bags full of these Marlboro miles. He would peel it off the side of the pack. It was like the side piece of cardboard. And he used to give them to us so we could buy stuff out of the Marlboro catalog. Those were the days, folks. Those were the days. Anyway, this gentleman posted that joke up on Facebook, and I happened to be on Facebook where I really don't spend a lot of time, but I started laughing when I read it. And I said, that's the cheesiest joke. I drove the taxi home. So I decided, what the hell? I might as well throw it in here, folks. So I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Uh, No matter what you did, I know Maria Albanese did, co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays. My friend Chrissy Piccolo went to visit her mother. Uh, She's been on the show. I've been on her show, The Real World Witness. Uh, Dan Golvach, who's been on the show multiple times. Wide Awake Jim. Uh, They all had wonderful Christmases. So I hope you guys did, you folks out there. I know some of you at Payne.tv slash gold and over at Twitter have been posting. You had great Christmases. So that's fantastic, folks. We had a really good time, honestly. Christmas Eve, I did not go uh, drink, nor did I steal a taxi. I actually went to uh, church, right? So first, my wife and her mother, who is here visiting from Poland, she's here for still another six weeks, I think. She's been helping out with uh, Willie G. And so they cooked a traditional Polish Christmas Eve dinner which in Poland, pretty much everyone's Catholic, so the tradition is there's no meat. So not my favorite, because I'm a meat eater, folks. I'm a meat eater. But uh, there was a fish dish in there that was pretty good. And I'm not really a fan of white fish, but it was good. It was good. And a mushroom soup and pierogies and a sauerkraut. Uh, all very, very, very good. So we had that as our Christmas Eve dinner. And then we went to a church service. So we've actually been looking for a church. We decided we wanted to get Willie G baptized. This is uh, going back three, four months ago before he was born. And so we started looking around. My wife grew up Catholic. She did not really want to have anything to do with the Catholic church. And so I grew up Protestant in a congregational church. When I grew up, it was owned by the congregation. And my mother was on a board, I think, for a while. And so I I told her, yeah, that's the kind of church I grew up in. Let's see if we could find one. So we actually found online a church called GC3 here in Frederick. And it's a small, non-denominational Christian church. So they sent us a mailer, I think, because we had signed up to get some information online. And so my wife said, oh, they're doing a candlelight service. I've never been to one. They don't do that, I guess, in the Catholic church or at least in Poland. So... I said, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. You stand around the church, and then you light the uh, candle off the Christ candle. The Christ candle is the tallest candle on the table that's up at the head of the church. And I believe it's the first candle they light, and it's the last one to be put out because it's the brightest, it's the tallest, right? So they light, uh, everybody gets a candle that you hold in your hand. There's a little rim around it, like a little plastic base 
like on a sword, sort of like the cup on a sword to protect your hand so the wax doesn't drip down and, and burn your skin. Unless you're into that kind of thing, then I guess you would remove you would remove that plastic guard, right? So everybody gets a candle, then you stand around in the church, and they light the first candle, the pastor does, off of the uh, Christ candle, and then he lights someone else's candle, and it goes all the way around the room until the whole room, like a big circle, all the candles are lit. So we did that. We went to this church, non-denominational Christian church. They're part of a brotherhood, but not an association. So I talked to the pastor after. His name is Titus, a big gentleman, originally from Nebraska. And he's got a wife and two daughters. I had done my research on him. You know, part of church these days, you got to make sure you're not going to walk into somewhere with a charlatan or some uh, kitty diddler. I mean, it's just the reality of the world we live in. So we checked it out. Uh, very relaxed atmosphere. I don't think this was representative of their Sunday service. But Titus was up on stage with a guitar, and he had a female singer, and then another guy on bass and a guy on drums. And they did some Christmas tunes. And in between there, the kids from the church got up and read passages from the Bible, the Christmas story. So it was very relaxed setting. It was nice. Uh, very family oriented and they were very welcoming of us because we had not been there before so it was good willie g slept through the whole thing though he slept at first in his car carrier and then i took him out laid him on this table and i put out a picture on twitter uh, saying no he was not portraying baby jesus he was actually fast asleep and snoring but it it was a good time it was a good time so we came home and we basically didn't do anything it was eight nine o'clock at night i think my wife and i might have watched uh bad santa because we've watched pretty much every christmas movie this season it's our first christmas with a kid you know with willie g so it's a lot of fun so we put him to sleep and then he didn't want to go to sleep so he was hanging out in the bed at this point i realized i had not finished rapping my presence and my wife and i did not coordinate on presents for willie g she just got him some stuff and i got him some stuff and i got her some stuff and her mom some stuff and so uh last year we her and i my wife and i did a trip down to texas to visit my mother and stepfather so we did a three and a half week trip drove down we camped in florida we did some uh, tent camping you know on the beach we did some tent camping out in the woods did a few airbnbs we make it down to texas we hung out there for about a week and a half then we did a trip coming back back up and stopped at some different places as well so i gave her some presents along the way so this year we said oh whatever he's little we're not going to coordinate we're not buying willie g anything big so we don't really need to coordinate so i had to sneak down into my office here to wrap the presents and then get him out under the tree because i figured i wasn't going to do santa claus or anything but at the same time i kind of wanted to surprise my wife and her mother kind of make it all fun we have a christmas tree and everything so what i did folks is willie didn't want to go to sleep so i took him down here into santa's workshop and he helped me wrapped the presents i mean he didn't really help he just sat there in his little rocker and he drooled while i wrapped the presents but i think he kind of knew what was going on we did make a decision uh finally that we're not going to play the santa claus game with willie g what we're going to do folks is we're going to tell him santa is a symbol of christmas it's like the christmas tree 
It's not the religious part of Christmas, but it's a symbol. It's a Norman Rockwell symbol. That's what we're going to do. So we're not going to play the the Santa Claus game. I, I just, I'm not comfortable being someone who is trying to be honest and open and transparent. And hopefully over the next year, this show grows. I'll get into this later, some of my 2023 goals as we're talking about goals and solutions. And I'd like to be out there speaking and warning people about what's coming and helping them figure out how to insulate themselves in their lives. That it would not be a great idea for me to start off Willie's life by lying to him about a bearded guy who comes down the chimney and leaves presents. Okay, and then every time he sees one at a mall or a fair or a festival, I've got to tell him that's not the real one, but that guy works for Santa. When in fact, you know that guy at the mall doesn't work for Santa. He's probably some kind of alcoholic, just like in the movie Bad Santa. So it's just lies on top of lies on top of lies. And then at five or six years old, seven years old, Willie finds out from one of his friends that Santa isn't real. And then you've got to explain to him that you lied to him. And then he thinks about all the times that you manipulated him throughout each year saying listen willie if you don't behave in the grocery store santa claus isn't gonna come in december you're gonna be a bad boy so instead of taking responsibility and instilling some values in your child disciplining your child using uh, love to train your child to be a better person you're going to lie to them and say this guy with the white beard isn't going to come and bring you presents i mean if you want to do it more power to you i grew up believing santa claus was real i just figure i don't want to do that and we're also going to explain to him hopefully he's a smart kid i think he will be fairly intelligent not to go ruin it for other kids all right so if there's other kids that believe in santa i don't want him to be the kid who ruins it for everybody else even though i sit here and i'm piercing your worldview with every word that i speak when i'm talking about technocracy and transhumanism i'm sitting here bursting your bubble but i don't want willie to be that guy i don't want him to torment other children and ruin their uh ruin their hopes and their dreams in santa claus but that's how we're going to do it folks and so i just i think it's in the the way we're going to raise them that's a smart thing for us to do ladies and so when i get back when i get back we're going to talk a little more christmas another church service we went to on christmas day i'm going to get into some solutions some plans that i'm creating for 2023 i know we're going to pick back up with synthesia that company i was showing you that is doing the artificial intelligence puppets all right we're going to get into that i got to show you a little bit more on the owner if you remember we uncovered one of the investors is tied to inqtel the cia's venture capital firm i'm going to show you who the ceo of this company is tied into i want to show you a little more of this i'm going to get dan Golvach back on this week to continue talking about the rise of the artificial intelligence personal jesus antichrist and then wide awake jim and i I believe we're going to start recording tomorrow we're going to try to knock out two three maybe four shows for you guys this week on bank for international settlements i'll be right back this is dust gold the dust gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. Yeah, it was funny because uh, I heard a couple of stories actually with the winter freeze that came in across the country. I'm still on the old Facebook page of the county I lived in in Tennessee. Uh, before I was uh, divorced in my past life, folks. And they had these rolling blackouts. Like, literally every 60 minutes, there was a blackout. So I saw all these stories that people were writing about how their kids' dreams were going to be ruined because Amazon didn't finish delivering packages on time. So all the stories people had to make up about Santa Claus, my brother-in-law's sister, uh, she's pretty well off, her and her husband, and so they get the their daughters these american dream dolls i think they are quite expensive and so she literally uh my brother-in-law's sister she went through these great lengths to write a letter in script that looked like santa claus wrote it it said dear girls uh because of the storm something happened where my sleigh crashed and i lost a couple of presents but don't worry i'm gonna drop them off in a couple of days i'm like the extent that people will go through to create this story to lie to their kids and then later have to tell the kids they lied to them or have a friend tell them i mean it's just torture folks it's torture it's almost like telling uh people in this country that they're born free and then by the time you get to be about five years old and you enter kindergarten you realize that freedom is a complete and total lie so i figure what the hell i'm not going to go down that path folks so anyway willie and i we're down here in Santa's uh, chambers, and we're wrapping presents. And so I get all the presents wrapped up, and I put these nice little tags on them. I write these funny tags, you know, to mommy from Willie G, you know, uh, from, uh, from Willie G to Maya. Yeah, I put all these things. I put funny ones. I call them stinky pants, stuff like, you know, whatever. I just put all kinds of funny things. Actually, I bought them a stuffed Santa Claus and a stuffed Grinch. So the Grinch came from Santa Claus, and the Santa Claus came from the Grinch. You know, stuff like that. Uh, once he gets a little older, I'm going to get more intricate. With my former uh, stepkids in my life, I used to do these elaborate treasure hunts with different. They had to find cards around the house, and I sent them on treasure hunts to find the presents. It was actually a lot of fun. I'm going to get back to that once he can actually get around on his own. You know, right now we have to carry him, so that wouldn't be a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, so then I had to carry the presents up the stairs because I'm down in the basement. And so he had to help me do that. Then I laid them out all under the tree. I put stuff in the stockings. I actually bought him about 20 pairs of all these different color socks. They're really cool. So I stuffed all the stocks inside of his stocking. You know, that's not for him. That's more for his mother, for Maggie to find and think it's cute. So it was all set up and displayed really for Maggie and her mom because Willie has no idea what's really going on. I mean, he makes eye contact now. 
now. And uh, he just turned six weeks. He makes eye contact. He giggles. He understands jokes and stuff like that. I tell him all kinds of jokes. He loves racial jokes. He loves gay jokes. You know, stuff like that. The things that I like. And so uh, he giggles. He knows what's going on. But, I, you know, he doesn't understand Christmas. So I laid all the gifts out. I made it look real nice. And so then finally I got him to go to sleep. And then I went to sleep. And then the next thing you know, my wife's like a little kid. She's waking me up at 6 in the morning to tell me Santa's there. Uh, and so she said, oh, you got a lot of stuff. I thought we weren't getting a lot. I said, nah, don't worry. It's all little things. So anyway, we then uh, get her mother up. We sit around. We made some coffee. We got Willie G there. We laid him out on top of the presents. We took some really nice photos of him, some funny stuff. And he was just like under the tree. Anyway, I got my wife a couple of ornaments, you know, like one of those metal ones that says baby's first Christmas, best present ever, put a picture of Willie G. You know, nice little things like that. I framed some family pictures because I haven't been keeping up with that this year. So I did that. And then, as you know, I made that collage documenting from when we knew she was pregnant until just before Christmas. And it was like 73 photographs with some really nice words I wrote. And I packaged that up. And it worked, folks. She opened it up and started reading it, immediately teared up and started to cry. And so it worked. That was the goal, to see her cry. And then we got Willie G some stuff. I got him a mobile. So then, of course, I wanted to set up the mobile. It has little animals on it because we did his nursery around an adventure theme because my wife and I like to go camping and hiking. So we're doing an adventure theme in his room. And that's for the baby shower. Everybody brought him like a gender neutral uh, animal themed adventure theme stuff because we didn't know if he was going to be a boy or a girl. He's born a boy. Obviously, this is 2022 going into 2023. So he could identify as a girl, a banana peel, a tire iron, or a leather couch, you know, whatever he chooses. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't get held down by gender here. That's uh, That would be wrong. No, folks. So anyway, I got him this mobile. I wanted to set it up today. And then, of course, we never set up his crib because we have him in a cradle. And so I got stuck setting up the crib this morning so I could put the mobile on there. So took two hours out of my day setting up a crib. But anyway, we're getting the nursery all straightened out for him. It's going to look good. So uh, we opened the presents and everything. It was great. A lot of fun. I got him this little uh, Willie's little denim hat. And when the cap is down, like a baseball cap, when it's down, it says, I love mama. When you flip the cap up, it says, I love papa. It's pretty cool. I got him a pair of sunglasses, and I know they're not good for kids to wear. It's more for show. So if he comes on the show here, I'll have the sunglasses on when he's on the show so he looks like his dad. You know, that's that's the way we're going to do it. So I got him that. I got him a little world map rug that goes in his room because it's like an adventure theme. And I told you I got him the sock and then uh, a couple other things and then got Maggie a few things and got her mom some framed pictures of her with with Willie and got her uh, a couple of other little gifts so it was great a lot of fun and then we decided we were going to church again okay and so our friend Elena really nice woman we met through the midwifery that we did the birth with we met her at their picnic their annual picnic well she's got a husband Justin and then they have three kids, young kids. And they invited us to go to this church with them on Christmas at 11 a.m. 
and it was at a pastor's house. Didn't know much about it, folks, but we've become pretty good friends with Elena and her husband. They're just really great people. So we got all dressed up real nice. I put on the suit, the red tie, had the red scarf, my black trench coat. Maggie was dressed up with a red skirt, black top. We got Willie dressed up in his little tuxedo with his Santa hat on. And then her mom gets all dressed up because she's from Poland. They still dress up over there. Yeah, you don't show up at church in sweatpants, okay, when you're over in Poland. You don't show up uh, at the grocery store in your pajamas like we've been doing here for the last 20 years. People still have a little more self-respect. So uh, I'm telling you, folks, get a suit, all right? Come on, get something nice, go out there, look good. I'd wear a suit here every day on the show, except when I start putting these videos out publicly, people won't watch it if I do because we've been so accustomed to looking informal. I mean, you have people like Dan Bongino wearing T-shirts you know, on his show. So that's the way it is. I have to dress down to fit in with the folks now. So anyway, we show up at this house about 15 minutes from us on a big farm. Okay, and we're not sure when we get there if we're at the right house because there was no address on the door and we didn't see Elena and Justin's minivan. They've got the minivan because they have three kids. Obviously, you need the minivan. Otherwise, you've got to throw the kids in the back of the pickup truck. And when it's almost uh, below zero, it's probably not a good idea. You don't want child protective services coming after you for driving your kids around in the back of a pickup truck, right? So uh, we wait and all of a sudden Elena pulls up and it's good so we get out of the car we go in the house we have to take our shoes off which is something we do at our house i didn't used to do it when it was my house but once my wife moved into the house with me she started making me take my shoes off in my own house okay so we take the shoes off so we take the shoes off and then we go into this kind of kitchen area and there's a nice really really nice cast iron wood burning stove and people hanging out. We just start BSing, and I pick out the guy who looks like the pastor, this guy in his 70s, really nice guy. I start telling some jokes, talked about how we met Elena, uh, make some jokes uh, about government and stuff, just feeling people out. I figured this had to be a pretty, you know, fairly conservative group of people to be having church in a pastor's house. So I kind of feel them out, and it's a really, uh, it's a good crowd, folks, a good crowd. Everybody's giggling, everybody's laughing, and Elena made these really good sourdough starter uh, cinnamon rolls, right? She She's a great baker. So we eat these cinnamon rolls, we have some coffee, and we go into the pastor's living room, and he's got it all set up. It was probably about, uh, I don't know, 18 people with the kids. Really nice, folks. Really, really nice. They had the uh, hymnals out. They had the uh, Bibles. And he goes through the Christmas story and talks about some stuff. And Justin, Elena's husband, he plays this harp that he has on the ground. And we sang some songs. And it was just a really nice environment, really welcoming people. And at the end, I go up to the pastor and I start talking to him. Hey, so what's the deal with this whole situation? And it turns out this group started over 25 years ago. None of them were part of the original group. And it was a group of folks that decided to do church and home because they had come from homeschools. It was They were homeschool families. And as many of you know, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, she was a homeschooler. She got me into homeschooling back with my stepkids 
few years back, and Willie G's going to be homeschooled. And our doula, who helped manage Maggie's birth, she homeschools her three kids. So we're all networked in now with homeschool families. So this church was started by homeschool families because back 30, 35 years ago, homeschool was looked at as really weird. And so these people didn't feel welcomed into the churches they were part of, and they came out of different sects of Christian churches, and they formed sort of this non-denominational home church. And so now it's maybe a generation in. So some of these people went back 20 years, but they weren't part of the original group. And so they just continued to do it. So every Sunday they get together at this guy's house. And this guy is not actually some licensed pastor. He was not a professional pastor. Um, And just different dads shared the responsibility to act as the pastor. And uh, it was just, it was really, really cool. So I think we're actually going to do that. We decided between that and the other non-denominational church we went to on Christmas Eve, we're going to do the home church thing. I think it's really, um, really interesting. Plus, the pastor starts getting in a conversation with me about COVID and the vaccine, folks. I'm going to touch on that when I get back here on this post-Christmas special. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Yeah, so Pastor Rodney and his wife was there, his daughter was there, and her daughter's husband, and they have five kids. They actually had a, a baby who was born two days after William, and this baby looked like she was two months younger than William. He's really advancing quickly, folks. But anyway, Pastor Rodney... He starts kind of feeling me out. I can tell when people are feeling me out. I'm feeling them out. We're sitting there just feeling each other, you know, but not in a uh, homosexual kind of way, folks. He's 75, way beyond, uh, way beyond my years. No, so we start talking, and I, I would assume Elena had told him that Maggie and I are not vaccinated, and we have not jabbed up Willie G. As he starts talking about it, I said, oh, yeah, no, I'm not. And he told me a story about how his 95-year-old mother was just deadly afraid of COVID, and he hasn't seen her in two years. He's probably 70 to 75, and he said he hasn't seen her in two years. She won't let him come over because he's not vaccinated. And so we get in this conversation about how sad it was to see all of these people worldwide just sort of corralled into the vaccine lines and then um i started talking to him a little bit about the podcast and i was telling him why i am starting to think about uh going back 
to church. And uh, I told him about uh, Dan Golvach, who was on the show, if you want to listen to episode 115. He's been on several shows, but 115 was really good. And so I said to him, I'm thinking about going back because we want to instill some, uh, you know, religious morality, civility, uh, sort of giving back to the community and Willie G. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% believer. Uh, but over the last few years, I'm gravitating back towards that. And I think I have to live a little bit different of a life. And, uh, you know, it's just something I'm thinking about personally. I'm not here to like to push this on everyone. I've said on the show, I'm not pushing Christianity. I do believe in a God. I believe in a creator. I believe in mother nature. I believe in the natural world. Okay. I believe that all that stuff works in sync. I'm not a believer that I am some God. I'm going to transcend to be a God. Uh, I'm more powerful than others and I should crush them and destroy them. I don't believe in that. I think that's what we're fighting against. So we're talking about it. I said, I do this show. We talk about technocracy. We talk about transhumanism, about solutions to to try to work around this in your life about respecting the natural world and so i said as i'm exploring all of this darkness all the time i feel like i have to have a little bit of light in my life and i said i'm actually on this topic right now about this artificial intelligence this possibility of the rise of a, a personal jesus antichrist and i said i'd love to talk to you about it sometime and get your opinions on this as someone who has studied the bible for many years and so he said yeah oh i'd love to do that so i think that's going to be a fantastic conversation he's got this farm they raise goats there uh he he drinks goat milk and makes cheese and stuff like that so really interesting guy it's really worth it and this is part of what i have talked about with you folks in my solutions plan because this has come up on twitter over the last 24 hours again uh, people looking for solutions and as i've said to you solutions that i have to my problems or to reach my goals are going to be different than yours uh, I, I would assume most of us probably want similar things. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to the show. You wouldn't care about my point of view or my research into these topics. Uh, but at the end of the day, our goals are different. Each of us are going to be willing to tolerate certain levels of technocracy more than others. Okay. So when we write, my goal may be to escape to a desolate area in West Virginia, and your goal may be to just move out of a city into a more suburban area or into you know, a rural area that meets the edge of a suburban area. See, so each of us are going to have different goals. Okay, so that's what I was talking to him about. So he had served in the Navy, actually, and he got really comfortable drinking, I think, goat milk. And then when he came back, he decided one day he was going to get goats and he wanted to have milk. So that's how he did that. That's what he went about. So he had a goal and he eventually reached that goal. The last few years, he finally got his goat. So you just have to start to think through, you know, what your realistic goals are where you want to be and how you're going to get there. And as I've said, people online are asking now uh, about solutions, and we're going to talk more about solutions. I'm going to get into some of that shortly, folks. So anyway, we do the church service. Fantastic. Greatest decision we made. And we go home, 
It's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I got to start cooking because my sister and brother-in-law were coming over for Christmas dinner at our house because they hosted us, you know, with Willie G. They brought us food when Maggie was in labor. They did a lot of things for us. They were really good. My sister was very, very much a very supportive person. We may not agree on the vaccines and everything, but she's a good person, and my brother-in-law is a really good person, and his parents are very nice people as well so i cooked dinner folks i cooked an array of stuff some crab macaroni and cheese some steaks we ate multiple courses i made a blue hubbard squash uh, maple syrup cayenne pepper soup and so we just ate until our bellies almost burst and then we opened some more presents that my sister brought over for willie g we had a couple things for them so it was great and then we just passed out folks and then this morning i got up and of course, the collage I made my wife, that didn't end with this collage that made her cry. Now she said, rearrange all of the wall art in the living room and find a prominent place to hang the collage. So I had to do that this morning. And then I really wanted to test out the mobile, the wild animal mobile I got, Willie. So I had to put the crib together, as I mentioned earlier. So I put the crib together and got that done. And then Willie was laying in the crib with the mobile on and he's laughing and smiling at the mobile so i broke out this handmade kermit the frog puppet i put together about seven eight years ago it was for a corporate event we were doing where my barack obama comedian impersonator had a kermit the frog puppet and he was talking to it i can't remember exactly what the sketch was but it was funny so i broke out the kermit the frog puppet i was testing it on willie and i was like hey willie it's me kermit your frog here and he just started laughing and he doesn't know what kermit the frog is he hasn't even watched tv yet and so uh i said this is kermit the kermit the frog here i give him a kiss with the puppet and then i said um oh you look mighty delicious and i opened up the puppet and i pretend i was eating his face and he's just laughing so it was great and it inspired me i want to finish the kermit the frog puppet for those of you in the video audience of pain.tv slash gold i have one of them i had made several of these there's one kermit the frog puppet back there behind me the one that i used on him is a full length that goes down my arm and i was eventually going to build the body and i just never did it now i'm kind of inspired to finish that folks that's one of the things i used to do was make puppets both as a hobby and uh professionally so that is what um that is what i did today folks that was our christmas so we met a lot of really good people uh both between that independent church we went to on christmas eve and then the church uh in the pastor's house on christmas and and let me just bring this up okay because i've laid it out on the show before it was my five-step plan i'm kind of working through this stuff every day i'm thinking about it a little bit more but my plan is very simple i told you it's educate insulate separate congregate and accelerate and it starts with one educating yourself and others and i know many of you have been doing this over many 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 years right but now i think we are able to isolate the target what the real problem is before we thought it was just communists or just marxists or just fascists or just socialists and now i think we're able to see it as the technocratic transhumanists i'm pretty sure that's what all of these sort of tyrannical 
radical, dystopian, authoritarian movements have moved into under technocracy. And then you have the transhumanist element of that. Now you obviously force industrial revolution, which is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital. So educate yourself and others. Preach to those who want to know the truth. I think don't get in arguments or destroy family relationships or relationship with customers of yours. If they don't want to be awake, that's fine. You just have to accept that. You can only control the things you can control. And you can only speak to those who want to listen. Okay, so educate yourself and others. Then the second one is to insulate yourself and your family as much as possible from what is to come and what is to come all is going to be decided on based on the education uh, that you get from me and that you're doing on your own and maybe getting from some other podcasts because you have to understand the history of where this comes from what's actually happening in the present and then be able to predict what's coming in the future three years five years ten years from now Okay, so it's educate, then insulate. Then you have separate. And I have separate yourself from densely populated areas. Now, I know some of you live in cities. You live in an apartment building. Some of you can't get out of these situations. But maybe part of your future goals are to be able to separate yourself from these densely populated areas. I think it's just highly dangerous to be in a densely populated area if you think that there's some sort of uh, chaos that is going to ensue or another pandemic or supply chain issues or some kind of a financial collapse. So I would say separate yourself from densely populated areas. Figure out how to work remotely. We're going to talk a lot about that over the coming weeks so that you don't have to be 10 minutes from work or 15 minutes from work or whatever it may be. All right. Then it's congregate. And I've said congregate with like-minded folks, whether that be at first over at a platform like pain.tv slash gold. Maybe it's a Twitter DM room you're in. Maybe it's a Telegram group. Maybe it is some forum over at Reddit or a place like that. There's so many things you can do or a Facebook group, something. And But then start to target the people that you believe to be real. This is what I do at pain.tv slash gold. This is what I do on Twitter. And then I reach out privately to these folks and I try to eventually talk to people on the phone. And then I'm able to say, what are your plans? What are you doing? I learned from others. But try to congregate with like-minded folks in your own community if you can. And look at what I just told you. We just went to this pastor's house. Him and I are not vaccinated. I found out none of the people there were vaccinated. So now I have a group of people that, one, are following Christ, following God, but for the right reason. All right. We click on the vaccine. We click on homeschool. We click on this homestead environment. They were asking us if we're going to put together a homestead. So we're congregating with like minded folks. And hopefully, as I get to know them a little bit more, I will be able to preach what I'm preaching to them at the same time I'm learning from them. And these are the type of folks, at least right now, that I seem to be getting along with. We met some nice folks when we went to the Christmas. Receive service. So talk to people, congregate with people. Our doula has become our friend. The midwives at the midwifery have become our friends. Our farmer, Farmer Carol, 
the butchers at the place where I buy all the organic meat. I have become friends. I mean, some would say acquaintances. You know, if I don't hang out with somebody and drink a beer every night, are they my friend or an acquaintance? They're part of my community. That's how I see these people. They're people that I can have a conversation with, I can laugh with, we connect on certain things, we like organic steaks, whatever it may be. But these are the folks that when I'm looking for some, hey, do you know where to get raw milk? Hey, do you know who has any goats? You know, I can go to these people. So build this community around yourself, congregate with like-minded folks. And then finally, it's accelerate. Because the technocratic transhumanists are coming at us at warp speed with central bank digital currency, with universal basic income, with brain chips and hand chips and all this other stuff. They put their foot on the gas at the beginning of COVID land, the high school theater production. Now you have to put your foot on the gas and really work double time to figure out your realistic goals for 2023 and then actually make those happen ladies and gentlemen and you know what i'm going to make happen right now a break i'm going to step my foot on the gas i'm going to accelerate in to this short break ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. And my name is Dustin Gold. And you know what's great, folks? The more that I have been congregating with like-minded folks in and around this area, the more people are like, oh, I want to listen to your podcast. So they start listening to the podcast and then they actually realize that I'm crazier than they actually thought I was. No, they realize that uh, we have more in common than maybe they thought we did. You know, some of the folks that we congregate with or I am uh, attracted to, uh, you would think are sort of backwoods, hillbillyish type people. I go out there with the, the slicked up 1950s hair. Uh, sometimes I'm dressed in my suit, my overcoat, and so I wear the sunglasses, and people probably go, what the hell is this guy involved with natural birth and, you know, into farming and stuff like that? And then I, they realize I'm a redneck at heart, folks. I'm a redneck at heart. So, again, just start to build your own community of folks out there. You can find them. I mean, I'm in Blue, Maryland. And these folks are all over the place, and they're looking for friends as well. So that's what I recommend you do. Now, 2023 is on the way. And one of the things I started talking about a few episodes ago was starting to really look at your income situation we know that central bank digital currency is on the way so pretty much anything that operates on revenue that is passing back and forth 
online, right, is going to move to central bank digital currency. So one of the things I talked about was if you have a business, let's say, that operates solely on the Internet, whether you be right now a gig worker, which 60 million people in the United States are doing gig work, either part or full time. So let's say you're relying on Instacart, DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats, Grubhub, any of this kind of stuff, any of service-based gig work, or you make content like I'm doing and you rely on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of this stuff or you're putting out video content on YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey, or you're a creative and you're selling your services through Fiverr.com or any of the gig companies out there where you could sell web design or any of that kind of stuff, right? Whether you're a virtual assistant, you're selling your services through those good gig apps, or you're a loan processor and you're getting your work through SnapDocs, or you're working as a delivery driver for Amazon Flex, or you are um, a, a, just an artist, an entertainer like Dan Golvach or like the comedians I used to manage and you get your work through Gigmasters or Gig Salad. Or you run an e-commerce business or you buy and sell goods through Amazon or eBay or Facebook Marketplace. See, you're solely relying on the technocrats not cheating. Now, they don't have to decide they don't like your politics in order to ban your account. We've heard about depersoning, dehumaning, uh, demonetizing people, deplatforming people because they supported Trump or they espoused conservative values or they said they were against the idea of transgenderism uh, or they didn't stand for the lies of COVID land, the high school theater production. So their Twitter account was shut down. Their Facebook was shut down. They were no longer allowed to market their business or their PayPal account or their Venmo or their Google wallet. Any of these payment processors were shut down or they lost their domain name or their website hosting. But it doesn't have to be for political reasons. If we are really to believe, which I do in fact believe, that all of these type of jobs, this whole industry here, people, folks out there that are making money solely off of this gig and sort of quasi-gig, extended gig industry, right, are all concentrated under the hands of the technocrats. We can do this. I eventually will. I'm going to show you. All these gig companies out there are all connected at the end of the day. They're controlled by the same uh, couple of dozen folks, all right, the same technocrats. Well, they can decide at any time. I mean, I'm telling you, your account at Fiverr.com could be shut down tomorrow for no reason, no explanation. Folks, Spotify did it to Mike Moore. And he had a huge podcast. It was huge. He was making them money while he was making money. And they turned his ads off overnight. The guy I used to produce for, Douglas Ducote, he was making really decent money off YouTube ad revenue. Literally overnight, gone, vanished. He had an email list that we built at a company called Mailer Light. We had over 55,000 email addresses. Every day, we'd send out a newsletter 
updating people on what we were talking about when the new show was coming about uh we used to do our model was actually fundraising around projects you want us to go do a border documentary this is what it's going to cost if we reach this amount of money we'll go do it well mailer light cut him off took his email list shut it down like that like nothing now if if all of a sudden, the technocrats, let's say the idea is to make everyone broke, which we believe, which we believe is honestly the plan. I mean, taxes are not paid. Your income tax is not paid to the federal government to pay for roads and pay for the military, as they would have you believe. We're, what, 3 or $4 trillion in debt every single year? on what they spend beyond what they take in for taxes. Taxes are designed to keep you down, to keep you from saving. End of the year, they go, you owe me $14,000, boom, that comes right out of what you saved. So that's what taxes are. So if you want to believe that the man, whether the state or these so-called private sector technocrats, which are really just oligarchs, they're puppets of the state, they want to keep you down. They could end up running an algorithm that tells them, uh, Dustin is making a hundred dollars a day on Facebook Marketplace. He's making a hundred dollars a day at Instacart. I don't do that or Facebook Marketplace, but he's making two hundred and fifty dollars a day on ad revenue from his podcast, and he's making I don't know a hundred dollars a day selling some graphic design service or stock photo at Fiverr.com. He's making five hundred dollars a day. Nope. We only want them to be able to make $200 a day. And the next thing you know, one of your accounts is shut down or your account is throttled. And and this happens with Instacart. I know this 100% to be true because I have watched it happen time and time again. I have friends that are still doing Instacart. I talk to them and it happens constantly where there can literally be five people standing in the parking lot. And two people will see an order that they can swipe on and take to do the grocery shopping, and the other three don't see it. And and so they're not sending all the orders out to the same people. And you can go from making three or four hundred dollars a day down to a hundred dollars a day with no explanation when the guy next to you makes three hundred that day and you only make one hundred that day. So they can throttle your account. It's like shadow banning you from seeing the orders. Now how do you know that that's not happening at gigsalad.com if you're, uh, let's say, a singer or a comedian, that people just aren't seeing your advertisement, your profile? How do you know this isn't happening when you're selling products at Amazon? You don't know, and that's the problem because you don't own the business You don't control anything there. I mean, you can do search engine optimization. There are certain techniques to drive up your site in the uh, search results of, say, Google. But you don't really know what the person who's Googling that you think is going to find your company is actually seeing. Your company, your website might not be seen by anyone. Why? Because we don't actually have control over it. So one of the things I've been preaching here is starting to develop a second income. So whether you work for someone else and basically you go to work and as long as you do an okay job, you're going to get a paycheck. Uh, But let's say that's the only revenue that you have coming in. Or let's say you do have a business. You're an entrepreneur, but the majority of what you do is online, like any of the stuff I just mentioned. Uh, Let's just say you have an e-commerce store that's a website and your money all comes from the internet. Well, I am now of the belief 
that in the world that we live in, in what is coming our way in the future, you cannot rely solely on that anymore. You can't sit back and just say, I hope my job is secure, or I hope my internet business isn't throttled, or they don't turn me off in one way or another. So I think you have to focus on creating another income stream. And, and this is not what, this is not just uh, passive income, which that we could talk about in future shows, but to create another income stream that is based on your local community that you're going to build around you. Something that you can sell, whether it be a product or a service that you can sell, okay, locally, and you could actually try to turn that into a majority cash business. We're talking, let's go back 10 or 15 years ago and build sort of a local cash business, a side hustle that operates on cash or a product or something you could barter with other folks. I mean, this is part of what I'm looking into uh, for 2023 for myself. And we're going to get more into that on the other side of the break folks i'm going to just tell you some of the things i'm working on and then also i think furthering your education but directing it into something that you can utilize that you can sell consulting services to folks and you can utilize in your own life to be able to produce food and things like that so you don't have to rely as much on the stores or the supply chain so let me show you what i'm talking about i'm going to share some of the personal things that i've been researching on my free time over the last few days with christmas just to give you some ideas as we're talking about solutions because to me this idea that we're going to change anything at a grand scale this idea of like making america great again or restoring america or restoring the republic it's just not realistic when over 50 percent of the people in this country if explained what technocracy was probably would say they want it there's probably a good 30 to 40 percent that won't understand it they don't have the time they don't care and they'll just go along to get along they're just going to accept what comes and then maybe there's 0.01 percent that understand this maybe a total of 10 percent if they knew about it would be against it but we're in the vast minority we're in the vast minority. So to think this is going to change at some grand scale, or you can vote your way out of this, or somehow we're going to stop it when we live in a culture of technocracy, is just not realistic. It's being naive, and to think that's going to happen is a complete and total waste of your time. So you have to start to make the changes in your personal life to be able to escape the matrix and escape the prison planet and to work around it and to live outside of it as much as possible as much as you so choose and if you make the right moves and you're realistic about this you'll be able to do it and guess what if you do it if you're able to pull out of this system if you're able to insulate yourself and make changes those around you will start 
to recognize that. And then maybe, maybe they will want to follow in your footsteps because you carved out a path. You are the trendsetter. But if you can't even do it in your own life, how do you expect to go out there and try to change everyone else when you yourself aren't making the moves to make these changes in your own personal life ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back this is dust to go with the dust to gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Payne.tv slash gold. You are listening to Dustin Gold. That's me right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, one more thing. I, I just want to bring this up as we start to talk about this stuff. I, I've really got to get... Uh, someone like Maria Albanese or Dan Goldmunch back on. I, I need someone that I can bounce ideas back and forth with, uh, like a think tank, where we're talking about different business ideas and such, stuff you could do to start to create another revenue stream coming in. But, for instance, uh, with web stuff, and, and I went to school for industrial design. I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia back in 1999, and I went for industrial design, and I worked as a commercial sculptor. My first project out of college, I sculpted a 25-foot-tall Statue of Liberty for... It, I did not have the contract. I worked through a company called Theme Factory of Philadelphia, and it was a project for Liberty Tax Consultants. You know, they're like the really cheesy version of HR Block, and so they have the seven-foot-tall Statue of Liberties in front of their offices. We actually used to cast those in fiberglass at the Theme Factory, and so they wanted one for their headquarters. It was a 25-foot-tall Statue of Liberty. I went from that, then I got into more... Uh, graphic design stuff i'd built some big props for philadelphia zoo then i got into graphic design uh photo retouching i got really good at photoshop back in the day then i worked for a company called corporate image we used to do custom commercial art i ran that department and so we would get uh clients hospitals hotels big corporate office buildings and we would design their lobbies design their conference rooms we do custom art uh and then they also had outside of the business that framed uh, artwork or prints we would tie in these themes and everything. And then I started a graphic and web design business. So I, I've always been doing creative stuff. From there, I got into the corporate entertainment work that I did for many years. And then with my ex-wife, we had a photography graphics business. But one of the big things when you're looking to set up any sort of business now that's going to operate online or you're connecting multiple third-party applications to develop a website. Let's just say you're a barber and you do online booking for your haircuts, which I built systems like that for people back before COVID land, the high school theater production, where people pay a deposit online, everything. What happens when you build those, and I'm, I'm really good at this stuff. I'm still taking consulting work on this if there's anyone out there that needs it, uh, but I'm slowly going to phase myself 
out of that. But I'm good at connecting various pieces of software, third-party applications, and making a whole system work. And being able to do that for a lot less than in, if you went out and hired a programmer to build a website for you from scratch. And a lot of these software, they go under the classification software as a service, SaaS. And what happens, though, is that you can spend a whole bunch of time uh, coming up with an idea. So let's say I was building goldstandard.tv and I wanted to have uh, Facebook-like communication between people. So I'm going to build the site on WordPress's content management system. That's what it's called, okay? And then I'm going to use a series of what are called plugins that are these little pieces of software. And some of them are full-blown software as a service that you're going to bring in and interconnect with the site, make it work together through plugins. But before you know it, you might have 15, 20, 25 plugins that make your website work and do everything you want it to do. Let's just say on an e-commerce store, let's say I want to sell t-shirts. So there's a company, Printful. I sign up with them. They handle the printing of all the shirts, right? So they'll print me t-shirts, let's say for $10, I want to make $5 on my mark them up to fifteen dollars. So now I'm relying on this company Printful. They're gonna sh- they're gonna print and they're gonna ship for me. Now to process the money, I have to sign up with Stripe. Stripe is the payment processor, right? Now there's a second company. Now I'm gonna connect those in. I'm gonna pull them back into my WordPress site, and I'm gonna use another platform. Uh, that connects into WordPress, which handles the actual e-commerce. So I got to get that plugged in. And then there's a series of plugins that I use to make it all work. So when you order on the website, it then pushes that order through, it charges your credit card on Stripe, then it pushes that order over to Printful, then Printful prints and ships it, and then the receipt comes back and it has to go through my site. So by the time it's all said and done, there might be seven to 10 pieces of third-party software I have to rely on. Now, any one of those at any given time can break any one of those companies could sell out to another company or go out of business or just close their doors. And so you create a series of issues, right, in this supply chain of technology that you've actually created. Now, if it's working smoothly, it works great. If you have someone like me managing it for you, it works great. I have a website that I might be tuning up for somebody, something I built four or five years ago. I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, if you don't do some security updates and update these plugins, your site is going to start breaking. And lo and behold, what happened was it started breaking. And I said, it's going to cost you a lot more for me to do this piecemeal than if I just went in there and fixed it all up for you. There's uh, another company that I know, this engineer, they need a new site. I've been going back and forth with them. But eventually, I'm going to get myself out of that world because I'm going to slowly try to make the podcast here and whatever website I built to go with the podcast my only tech-related business. That's going to be considered my so-called online business, all right, because I don't want a whole set of problems, and I don't want to gear my future towards building websites for people and doing programming, Uh, although I think that stuff is going to be needed as we move forward. There's a lot of new programming that I have to learn to move into this whole Web3 metaverse world that I really don't want to do. I want to separate myself from that world, not become 
uh, part of it, folks, not become part of it. So if you're going to start an internet-based business, just keep all that in mind. You're creating a series of problems. You don't know when these software companies are going to sell. You don't know if their exit strategy, their business exit strategy is to build up that company and then sell it to Google. And Google's just going to close it because it's a competitor of another product they have. All of this stuff is very hard to figure out. Even if you talk to these companies in their early stages, their CEO is not going to say to you, Oh, yeah, we're trying to build up this video hosting company so we can sell it to YouTube in three years and they can close it Uh, because then you're not going to use their service and they need to get X number of customers on board, X amount of content on their platform before they can sell it to Google. So what happens is you go and you'll spend 50, 100, 200 hours uh, investing your time into learning the system, uploading your videos, putting in the descriptions, tagging them, and then all of a sudden this company decides to sell. You don't even want to know the amount of work Mike Moore went through moving his podcast, thousands of episodes, from Spotify to another platform when they cut him off. I mean, it is painstaking. It is painstaking. So just keep in mind... That stuff comes up when you're dealing with a tech-based company. But this year, my focus is to turn the uh, Dust and Gold Standard podcast, and if I end up having to launch a platform, as I mentioned in episode 117, may be the case, that's going to be my internet-based business, okay? Then what I'm starting to look for is something that I can do locally, all right? Meanwhile, meanwhile, I have to start to make some more income Uh, The last couple of years of my life has been really weird. I told you guys I went through a divorce. I basically walked away from everything. I left with essentially zero. Like I had a couple grand in my pocket. My freedom meant more to me than the money uh, that we had saved up and everything. So I walked away from that. I gave my ex the photography business. I just walked away with basically nothing. So I was rebuilding, starting from zero. So this year, uh, because Willie G came out of order, uh, my job was to rebuild, buy a piece of land in West Virginia, find a woman, have a child. Instead, I found the woman, had the child. Now I got to get the piece of land out in West Virginia. So that's what we're going to be working on this year. Once I have that land, then my uh, sort of my um, activities are going to change somewhat. But 2023 is going to be about getting me to that piece of land and starting to establish a skill set that I can make money off of, but then utilize once I get this piece of land to turn it into a homestead. And I'll be able to take those skills with me to the piece of land that we also have over in Poland. Because I told you, we want to have sort of two base camps, one in Poland, one in West Virginia, be able to go back and forth with Willie G. And so the first thing is, Uh, we've got the internet-based business, right? That's something that if it runs, if I don't get shut down, if the technocrats don't close it, I can utilize to generate income, whether I'm in Poland or whether I'm in West Virginia, as long as I can be connected to the internet and everything is working. This relies on me having ad revenue come in off the public side. This relies on folks subscribing uh, to the premium content. This relies on whether or not I decide to do merchandise, uh, if I bring sponsors, 
sponsors on board uh, if people donate to the show. Those are really the only ways you can make money off of this podcast world, except going out and speaking in public, which I'm going to get to a little bit later. So that's the first part, the internet-based business. Now I'm looking for something that I can do locally. Something I could do locally to start to build a little cash flow, hopefully deal a little bit in cash itself, right? Which might be a mixture of utilizing, uh, say, Facebook marketplace type uh, local networking, but using that to build an actual network of clients in and around my area within a 20, 30 mile radius and start to actually build a Rolodex of clients. So I'm not working for Instacart, going out, relying solely on the gig app and not not building a book of business because you might go shop for Mrs. Jones and buy her groceries for her at Costco and she might be a great tipper. You might make $100, but Mrs. Jones is Instacart's client, not yours. And even if you say to Mrs. Jones, hey, I will go shopping for you. Uh, just pay me directly it doesn't work i know a lot of instacart drivers that thought about this they're always dreaming about it it's not going to work because if mrs jones orders 42 items from the instacart app uh through costco she can't she's not going to text you a list of what she wants the pictures aren't there then you need to what front the thousand dollars to buy her stuff and then get to her house and ask her for the money so those are not your clients well you want to start to build a book of business locally as we talked about here with dan Golvach on episode 115 folks so when i get back let's talk a little bit more about this some ideas that i'm putting together and i'd eventually like to talk to you folks about what you're working on. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, so let's just take, for instance, as an example, as you know, I've been messing around making this no-need bread in the oven inside of a cast iron dutch oven and my breads actually are coming out really good and i'm about to start making uh some new bread with sourdough starter instead of yeast i've talked about the yeast bread on the show now i have a sourdough starter already in the refrigerator i was actually about to start making mine and then our friend elena gave me some of hers i fed that i got it going and so my mother at the same time down in texas she's been making uh sourdough bread really good artisan bread it looks beautiful and so my wife got me a kit uh not to make the bread but these certain bowls that you need to make this uh artisan bread so I'm going to be messing around with that. I, I gave them out for Christmas and stuff. Everybody loved the breads. But I said, you know what? This is fun. It's actually relaxing. I put on some old Italian dinner music, and I sit there, and I make bread. But 
Uh, I, I start looking into it. I said, well, let me see. I mean, bread could be interesting. You could sell it at farmer's markets and that kind of thing. But it doesn't fit in to the plan for 2023. Why? Because if you're doing it at home, right, uh, uh, you could do two Dutch ovens basically in the oven at the same time. I tested it out. But it takes about 40 minutes to cook two loaves of bread. So if you're running your oven all day long, let's say um, you can do, let's say, eh, I don't know, you could pull off, really, if you were doing this 10 hours a day, you could pull off 20 loaves of bread, okay? But the night before, you'd have to mix up all of this dough, and it would just be, it would be almost impossible. Well, let's say you could do 20 loaves of bread. Well, you're going to sell an artisan loaf of bread between around here, six and eight dollars. Now, you could build a clientele pretty quickly. You have to watch out. In Tennessee, you could get away with this. Uh, my ex wife and I actually started like a black market, really designer food keto business during the beginning of COVID Land, the high school theater production. We did really well, and the neighbors were pretty well and they were supporting us buying the food. I think we built it from zero to about $800 a week in a matter of three weeks. And then we actually did some catering. We had a couple of private little backyard weddings during COVID Land, the high school theater production. We charged like a thousand bucks to do those. But up here in Maryland, you got to be careful because people may rat you out for not having a food license. Now, if you have to go the direction of getting a commercial kitchen license and insurance and all this, forget about it. I mean, now all of a sudden you might as well get a food truck or you might as well open a brick and mortar, uh, brick and mortar restaurant, which is not something I want to do. It doesn't fit into my plan. So let's say you were doing it black market style and you were selling the bread, if you can get away with it, on Facebook Marketplace and start building a local uh, base of people that buy a loaf of bread from you once or twice a week. I think you could build it up rather quickly. But here's the issue. Let's say you're selling, uh, if you go to Wegmans, which is the really nice grocery store here, a loaf of their bread made in-house. They actually make the dough there. It doesn't come frozen from headquarters. They make the dough. They mix it there. They cook it. A loaf of their bread's about 7 bucks. The bread I'm making honestly beats that. Even though theirs is really good, the bread I make at home is better. So let's say you were charging $7. Heck, let's say you were charging $8, which is like the super high end. Now, between the flour, and in this case, you're going to have to use yeast because you're not going to have enough sourdough starter. So let's say you're using flour, you're using yeast, you're using salt, um, and you're using water. That's the base. And then you have, uh, I, I make a really good one with chopped up garlic, shredded Parmesan, basil, oregano, everything, bagel seasoning, you know, minced garlic, little seeds and all this stuff. I mean, let's say it's costing you $2 per loaf of bread. Now, on top of it, you got to get bread bags if you're going to sell it. So let's say all together, you're up to $2.50, right? So $8 minus your $2.50 you're now at uh, $5.50, okay? Now, take out your electricity. I haven't even started to figure this out yet, but if the oven is running all day, let's just say you're able to, let's say electricity is costing you 50 cents a loaf. So let's say now you're at $5 a loaf. And this is making it home in a single oven. 
five dollars a loaf and this is without you charging sales tax this is going totally black market uh you're you know you're operating without a license without insurance so you're taking on a lot of risk let's just say you're doing it you're acting like you're an amish person but you're not actually living in an amish area so you're doing 20 loaves in a day right I think that's what we said. Yeah, two, and then you've got 10 hours. So let's say you're doing 20 loaves in a day. 20 times the $5 profit, you're doing all that to make $100 in a day. Now, when you put the bread in the oven, okay, it's got to cook for 30 minutes with the top on the Dutch oven. Then you got to run upstairs from the office here take it out take the tops off put it back in with the top off then you got to run up there in 10 more minutes and take it back out and then you got to have a place for all this to cool so you're doing all this work to make a hundred dollars a day on top of what else you're doing you're running non-stop that's 10 hours of cooking and then it's going to be about an hour or two to prepare the dough at the end of the night so you're talking 12 hours to make a hundred dollars you're making literally eight dollars and 25 cents an hour so it's not feasible now when you start looking into professional bread ovens where you can cook more bread you start looking into professional mixer all right all of a sudden now you've got to lay out 15 twenty thousand dollars now you're at the point where you're going to have to rent a facility like an industrial kitchen or you're going to have to go use a shared kitchen space i looked into that it's just not worth it because now i can't be sitting here working on the podcast in between making the bread because i'm over at a commercial kitchen Uh, and if you get your own space now you're going to have to get insurance now you're going to have to get uh, a license and all of this other stuff so i looked at it and i said this isn't worth it plus on top of it my plan if i ever wanted to make bread for the purpose of being able to barter with people like say i went to farmer carol and uh, i had this uh, fairly well established system going and i went to farmer carol and i wanted to pick up my box of vegetables every week okay which would be normally say i don't forty dollars let's just say that's what it is big box of vegetables from her garden and what she barters with other farmers so instead i say to carol look i'm gonna give you seven loaves of bread in trade for that 40 dollar box of vegetables all right so basically it's costing me a little less than six dollars a loaf of bread i'm giving it away to her at that and i do that and then she turns around and she can sell those and make a little profit on them she might be interested in doing that but for me it's it's not worth it because i'm looking down the line as bread i want to be able to do something where i cook it in some kind of a wood-fired oven that i'm going to build outside eventually on my homestead so i can make the bread completely off of the grid i don't want to build a bread business that relies on electricity if i think coming down the line with central bank digital currency with the climate change hustle that they're going to manipulate how much electricity we're allowed to use based on our so-called carbon footprint so my plan for bread is to eventually be able to make that off the grid so once i have my homestead then i'm looking at investing in building some kind of an outdoor wood-fired or coal-fired stove that i can cook 20 30 loaves of bread in at a time so i said to myself all right bread's a great idea but it's not feasible it's not feasible and it only took me 
two or three hours to do the research, put the numbers together, and start to look at it. It's just not worth it. At the same time, I don't want to cook an extra two or three loaves every day and go through the trouble of posting it on Facebook Marketplace or putting it on Craigslist or bothering people that are in my Rolodex. Hey, you want to buy a loaf of bread and be bothering people to sell an extra two or three loaves a day. That's going to bring you in an extra 10 or $15. It's just not worth the effort, folks. It's not worth the effort. So I've been starting to look at things like bread that fit into my future plans, okay, like how my father-in-law makes whiskey. And eventually, if I lived in Poland, I might ramp up a whiskey business. Uh, I've actually run all the numbers on that. Not something feasible to do here in Maryland and run the risk of getting in a lot of trouble for making it, you know, basically making moonshine. It's just not worth it because you need to ramp up the uh, you know the equipment you have and you actually need to build out at least a garage size factory you can't do it the way my father-in-law does it now his works great because he can take a jug of whiskey and go bring it to a friend's house who's cooking a giant dinner or he can trade it to somebody but he's not doing it uh, really even as a second source of income he does it more for fun and if he makes money on it it's okay so a lot of these things unless they're scaled up aren't really going to work so now I said to myself, all right, let me think about some other ideas here. So I start doing research into, you know, the best-selling products, what could be sold at a local level. I don't really want to be doing crocheting and arts and crafts and selling stuff on Etsy because that defeats the purpose of trying to build an off-the-grid business or as close to off-the-grid as possible, all right? So I start looking uh, at that stuff, and I go, then you got to go to craft fairs. Nobody's really making money on that. It's the same as the bread. You're going to sit around and crochet, what, three or four scarves a day if you're lucky, and then you're going to go sell those for $20 each. Even if you were doing it full-time, you're making $80 a day. That's only uh, $400 a week. That's not going to do anything for you folks it's not going to change your life and then uh the crocheting you know down the line great barter item but you got to be able to get a hold of the yarn so i start digging further and further and further and then i really start looking at uh getting back to the basics you know gold and silver now my grandfather my father's father lewis gold senior he actually had a gold business for quite a while it was actually called Cadillac Coins because he drove a Cadillac. I don't know why he called it Cadillac Coins when his last name was Gold. He obviously knew nothing about branding and marketing, which is part of my specialty. Some of what I've learned over the years in the design world. And so I said, okay, what if I looked into something that has to do with gold and silver? And at the end of the day, if you're actually buying and selling physical gold and silver, it is technically a commodity. So it's it's in your hand. If the gold market drops, you can hold it. Uh, but if you put the right business model together, you won't be holding stuff for a very long time. So I start doing a lot of research into uh, flipping gold and silver. And when I get right back after we flip through this short break, I'm going to explain that to you. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold. I'll be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv 
slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard Solutions Edition. Right here at Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So I was saying my paternal grandfather, Lewis Gold. So he had this business, Cadillac Coins. And what his specialty was, was he was buying a lot of uh, Krugerrands. That's K-R-U-G-E-R-R-A-N-D. And Krugerrands were a South African coin first minted in July 1967 to help market South African gold and produced by Rand Refinery and the South African Mint. All right, the name is a compound of Paul Kruger, the former president of South African Republic, and Rand, the South African unit of currency. So my grandfather used to buy a lot of Krugerrands because they were as close to no numismatic value as possible. They were basically the price of spot gold. So if you had, for instance, let's say a one-ounce uh, coin. I, I I think I'm looking here at Wikipedia. It looks, yeah, they're valued at one troy ounce. Okay, so he was able to sell them based on the spot price. So it wasn't like getting a collector gold coin. Let's say it's one ounce. I don't know what the gold price is today, around $1,800. So let's say a, a one ounce of gold bullion is $1,800. Uh, and that's and that's a 24 karat gold, which would be 0.99 gold. So if you had one ounce of gold bullion that you uh, were selling for $1,800, but now let's say you had a one ounce collector coin, and it was a rare coin, so it's worth $25,000, but really only $1,800 in gold. My grandfather didn't really want to deal in collector coins, so he would get Krugerrands, and he'd buy them at lower than the spot price, and he would sell them as close to the spot price as possible. So back then, he had a lot of clients. We're talking in the late 60s, 70s, I think early 80s even. He had a lot of clients that were uh dentists doctors remember back then everyone was getting cash right or they had checks that they were cashing and so they didn't want stacks of cash sitting around their house so he would sell them krugerrands all right and then that way they could keep them in their safe and it was a lot easier to store you know a coin a one ounce coin than it was to store a stack of say fifty dollar thirty six fifty dollar bills you know eight, that wasn't eighteen hundred an ounce back then but you get the idea so I said you know it, it over the years I've thought about this I never got into it because I was always doing entertainment and graphics and design and just didn't have time but I said I've got this last name gold it would be really easy to market I could build a really cool brand around this so I start doing research and ways to make money here. Now, there's gold, there's silver, there's platinum. You can get into diamonds. There's all types of stuff. Lots of courses out there. And then there's different models. You know, so some of the models is buying scrap gold, which what the uh, buyers look for is a bunch of uh, broken gold chains and things like that at estate sales, at flea markets, sometimes at pawn shops, but they're going to be harder to deal with uh, because they're trying to get closer to the real value. And so you can 
can go out you can buy scrap gold and there's all these testing methods that you can look at eventually i'm probably going to talk more about this because i'm in the process of exploring this as a possible opportunity for sort of my local business and i'll explain uh kind of what i'm looking at as a business model it may be something that i do i'm i'm close to figuring it out but so what what a lot of the guys do that are in this as independents that don't own a pawn shop or they don't have a little store that says we buy gold we sell gold um is that they run around and they'll go to an estate sale and they've got their testing kit and they do their tests and then they make an offer and they're trying to buy this gold. And what they're really trying to do uh, is buy it at about 75% of the melt value of the gold. So if you've got a pile of gold change ranging from 10 karat gold up to 24 karat gold, which you're not really going to find, uh, and they have a range in there, different weights, and that's going to be melted down, and let's say it was going to be uh, $2,000 in the spot price of gold, they're trying to buy it at about $1,500. All right, And then you don't have to melt it down. They take that and they package it, and they're reselling it to refineries that pay anywhere between 90% and 98%, but then some of them have fees they tack on and everything. It's not super easy here, okay? Don't run out and do this tomorrow. But you're trying to sell it at between 90% and 98% of the spot price, right? So you're getting $1,800 um, to, uh, uh, what did I say, 98% to $1,960 for that $2,000 in spot price gold. And you went and you bought it for $1,500 so all of a sudden you can make $300 to $460. So you're making about a 20 to uh 23%, all right, or 15% to 23% on that investment you made. Now, if gold drops or silver drops or platinum drops whatever you're in between the time you bought it and you sold it, you know, you can sit on that and hold it if you want to. Uh, as an investment, just like sitting on a stock or sitting on Bitcoin or anything else. So you're not uh, going and buying something like Beanie Babies that all of a sudden you've got uh, $14,000 in Beanie Babies in your garage you're trying to sell on Facebook Marketplace or eBay and then Beanie Babies go out of fashion and you're screwed because they're not coming back in style for another 21 years. All right, so there's gold and silver. Now, I said to myself, how are you going to go about this? Now, once in a while, you're going to find pieces, right? So anything scrap, think of it like the Krugerrand, like what my grandfather was doing, right? So think of that as scrap. You're buying that chain, trying to get it down to 75% of the spot price, based on the spot price, and then reselling it to a refinery between 90 and 98% of the spot price. So that's like the Krugerrand. You're buying junk, and you're trying to get paid based on the spot price of gold, you know, on a given day. Well, once in a while, you're going to run into a piece. Maybe you're buying a lot at a state sale, a, a lot, not a lot, a lot, like a box of broken jewelry. So let's say you end up picking up, there's a nice ring in there. Like I have this Soviet era rose gold ring with a piece of amber. That's It's like a cocktail ring. That would sell for about $350 on Etsy, okay? 
If I melted that down in gold, maybe it's uh, $600 in gold. I mean, I'm sorry, maybe it's $100 in gold, but I could sell that for $350. So that's equivalent of, say, like a Krugerrand versus a collector coin. So you'll pick up some pieces that you can sell. Now, initially, you can build up a clientele locally using Facebook Marketplace. You can utilize Etsy and eBay to put some of the nicer pieces because I'm not telling you to go 100% purist with this. You can utilize the internet while it's still available. You can utilize these uh, listing services, I call them gig-type services, while you can still make money at it. You just don't want to build a business that 100% relies on that. You've got to have about a third of the business or less relying on the internet side of the business. The other two-thirds you build locally. So, now you have the ability to take those pieces, make some additional money when you get a nicer piece. And there's a whole catalog that will tell you what kind of jewelry you're looking for, the maker, the manufacturer, that will have a lot of value to it. So you don't go send that off to the refinery if it's a Tiffany piece or something like that. So you have the ability to make some money on Facebook Marketplace, eBay, Etsy. You probably want to use more eBay and Etsy because you're reaching a larger uh, audience out there you know it's worldwide at least nationwide instead of just within a 20 mile radius uh, and then there's several refineries around the country that will buy this stuff to melt it down so you just have to look into them and make sure they're going to be around and you have a place to actually turn this gold out now the other thing is when you get the gold and you package it up in an envelope, let's say you've acquired now, you're sitting on an ounce of uh, gold, uh, scrap, and you know what it's supposed to pay you. You pack as you tested it all. You package that up and you send it to the refinery. Well, they'll guarantee, we'll get it processed within a week. They're going to pay you the spot price the day they actually melt it. So gold could go from $1,800 when you sent it in down to $1,700, and that's what you're going to end up getting paid. So you have to work that into your business model. Now, I looked at another option, which I don't see. This would actually be my secret sauce, which would make me different than a lot of the other guys hustling and doing this. Uh, one would be my brand, because I want to be the first guy everybody calls. Oh, Dustin Gold is the gold guy, right? Dustin Gold's precious metals, you know, whatever it would be. So one of the other things I looked at, well, let me go back to my grandfather's original model. As people are starting to get worried about their 401ks, about IRAs, a lot of things we're going to talk about on this show, and they're looking for alternative investments, like what Wide Awake Jim sells, which is oil and gas royalties, right? That's what he's selling. Uh, people are looking for alternative investments, you know, gold and silver, diamonds, things like that are actually out there as investments where people don't want to keep it in their 401k. They don't want to keep it in stocks. They don't want to necessarily keep it in bonds. So maybe they're going to lean more towards gold. Well, what happens is a lot of these folks go online or they hear these commercials run by the traditional conservative talk radio hosts who are selling them a ripoff because these people here, Roslyn Capital, buy gold. Well, what they do is they're selling them gold that has numismatic value, where my grandfather was selling as close to gold bullion as you can. So one of the things I'm looking at is, can I take some of the scrap gold right and actually refine that myself and there are ways to actually do it uh, at home it's like cooking the bread 
You know, there's some danger to it. It's a little black market, but you can refine it down and I could create quarter ounce, half ounce, one ounce pieces. Basically my own Krugerrand. You know, maybe I call it the gold coin. And then start to build a local base of customers. And I could do this, not just in my area. This is, this is just me thinking out loud here, folks. I'm giving you solutions to the problems that lie ahead, okay? This is what this conversation is about. I'm thinking out loud. I'm also showing you how my brain works, how I start to think of these ideas. I start thinking, well, what if my audience at the uh, Dustin Gold Standard wants to get on the, in on this too, but just like having a homestead, people sometimes want a homestead, but they don't want to actually go out there and garden, right? So they end up realizing it's not their dream. Maybe people want to get into selling some of this gold, but they don't want to go hustle to get the gold and melt it down and do all that work that I can spread out my area if it gets bigger from here to some of you that become satellite sellers. And I start actually refining the gold, making these half ounce, these one ounce pieces, and you find people that are trying to move their money out of other investments or they're sitting on cash and they're, they feel like it's safer to be in gold. And we can literally sell these gold chips, these gold coins. So all of a sudden now I could build a local client base, especially in and around the Washington DC area of Start with 5, 10, 15, 20, and then it grows. Hey, that's the guy who's got the gold coins, and he's selling them uh, as a, a close to spot price as possible. So let's say I'm getting the scrap gold at 75% of the spot price. I'm refining it myself, and then I'm selling these. Let's say I go, oh, I could sell them at a discount. The spot price of gold today is $2,000 an ounce. I'm selling these at $1,900 an ounce. So they're automatically getting a deal, right? Because I'm selling to them at a cheaper price than the spot price of gold. That would be sort of the marketing that goes behind this. I'm doing research on this, folks. But a lot of this could be cash because I could have people buying these in cash. So you have the traditional hustler business, getting the scrap gold, sending it to the refinery, getting paid. You have when every once in a while when you find a gem in there, you sell it on eBay or Etsy or Facebook Marketplace. And then you have the third piece, which a lot of local guys are not doing, which is melting it down your Yourself and actually selling these half ounce and one ounce nuggets and then couple that with really good branding. Now, all of a sudden, you have people, I don't care. I don't care if it's drug dealers. I don't know what the hell they're doing that have $10,000 that they want to turn into five ounces of gold. And all of a sudden, I just took my gold. I converted that into cash if I want the cash. You know, you claim it, you pay taxes on it, and now I can work that cash into buying the homestead piece of property I want. And now this is a business that's operating locally on top of my internet business, which is the dust and gold standard, and the brands fit together. So I'm not actually doing something that takes me off brand or off message or is just a time eater for me. See, this is the way I'm starting to think creatively, folks. I'm getting my creative juices back because during uh, the divorce, and COVID land the high school theater production all my creativity went out the window I was basically basically stalled out 
I was 40 years old and basically giving up, you know. But uh, now I'm back. I got a kid. I got a wife. I had a great Christmas, and now I'm coming up with ideas. Let me show you one more thing I'm working on as well, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, and finally here, finally, and we'll get into more detail on this stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of solutions and creative ideas. I want to get you guys on the show Start figuring out what you're doing, uh, what you recommend other people do during these crazy times as we start to plan ahead. So the, the third piece to what I'm working on is a new skill. Uh, since my world was always based in design and entertainment and web development and marketing, and branding. And over the last, uh, I mean, I was always interested in outdoors and adventure and stuff. My wife got me back into it. She's a real adventurer. And then obviously with uh, Willie G, when he was on the way, we started our own gardens. We became part of a community supported agriculture farm with Farmer Carol. And so it got me back into to that, wanting to do that. And I realized if I want to go start a homestead, I'm actually going to need to know how to do all of this stuff if I want to start a homestead. So I'm like, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to do this while I have the time? Well, the way I look at things is with my podcast, anything that I'm learning, I can share with you because part of this show is sharing information and ideas. Hopefully in 2023, we're going to spark a lot of people to go out, live outside their comfort zone, try new things, get uncomfortable folks. That's what you got to do. Get uncomfortable or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, that's what you've got to do. You got to get out there and explore. So one of the things I started looking into were some classes and courses I could take that are going to help me with the future homestead, but I can also utilize uh, what I'm learning here on the show to share with you so I can monetize that because I'll be investing in learning the skills. And then at the same time, can I use those skills in the future to turn those into money, both on the grid, if we're still on the grid, and off the grid if we move to a black market type situation when CBDC is here? So one of the opportunities I have is to do some internship work over at Farmer Carroll's Farm in the spring, of which I am going to do probably not a lot because Willie G won't be walking yet, but I'll be able to strap him to my chest and take him down there and learn some farming from Farmer Carroll. At the same time, folks, I'm looking into uh, permaculture. And so permaculture, here I'll just show you the Wikipedia here. 
Permaculture is an approach to land management and settlement design that adopts arrangements observed in flourishing natural ecosystems. It includes a set of design principles derived using whole systems thinking. It applies these principles in fields such as uh, regenerative agriculture, town planning, rewilding, and community resilience. Permaculture originally came from permanent agriculture, but was later adjusted to mean permanent culture, incorporating social aspects. The term was coined in 1978 by Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, who formulated the concept in opposition to modern industrialized methods, instead adopting a more traditional or natural approach to agriculture. So I start poking around, and I haven't talked to Farmer Carol yet, but there's a permaculture course that runs six days. It's a it's a hundred and I think it's a hundred and twenty hour course or some no no I'm sorry it's a seventy two hour course for the permaculture, and it's twelve six hour sessions. So there's a farm here in Maryland that runs one, and it's. Uh, six sessions in the spring and six sessions in the fall. Now, we have some plans here. Uh, we've got to go to Poland in June. So I got to work this out. But I'm looking into uh, permaculture. And permaculture, just traditionally, you're taking a piece of land, whether it be a third acre, half acre, you know, a whole homestead of multiple acres, and you're planting a lot of trees and bushes and things, berries and stuff that come back every year. And sometimes it will take two to three years to be able to start to produce the fruit uh, or the, the vegetables and such, but then it lasts a lifetime, right? So if I learn this, this is a farming skill I can use at the homestead in West Virginia or use the homestead in Poland. I'm also looking at horticulture courses, right? So now if I go learn some stuff from Farmer Carol, I could film a lot of that and use it as content right here on the Dustin Gold Standard and share this with you and teach you guys about this, folks. If I take the um, permaculture course, same thing. And if I take this horticulture course, which horticulture is the branch of agriculture that deals with the art, science, technology, and business of plant cultivation. It includes the cultivation of fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, herbs, sprouts, mushrooms, algae, flowers, seaweeds, and non-food crops such as grass and ornamental trees and plants. It also includes plant conservation, landscape restoration, landscape and garden design, construction and maintenance, and uh, boriculture, ornamental trees, and lawns okay so i start saying to myself do i want to invest my time my money into learning the next level of coding uh like say i, I was thinking about cobalt or something last year right i i don't really want to do that i'm 41 do i want to spin myself into working for the technocracy when they're already talking about uh, artificial intelligence replacing programmers three four five years from now do i want to end up in this feedback loop like yuval noah harari tells us that humans are gonna have to learn a new skill every day because when technology reaches uh, exponential growth your skill will be useless the next day well guess what horticulture and permaculture i can use on my own piece of land to grow vegetables and fruits in a scientific way in harmony with nature as farmer girl would put it and that takes me out of the loop of having to deal 
with the supply chain issues or deal with the grocery stores or god forbid the farmer carols of the world go away they retire they move on i can still grow my own stuff both in poland and over here at the same time folks both of these let's say my show is gone in a couple of years both of these become because it's an internet-based business they could just turn it off on me both of these are marketable skills even in the green climate hustle industry which we covered here on episode 80 and 88 with wide awake jim because a lot of these companies that are virtue signaling are hiring people with permaculture and horticulture degrees. You basically get a certificate, all right? You don't, that's all you need is a certificate. So you can end up going in and working for some of these companies because they have to hire green folks to virtue signal their wokeness. So there's opportunities even to work in the system if you had to with this. Also, once you're certified, you could technically intern like I could with someone like Farmer Carol, and then I could teach courses. Now, I know she doesn't teach courses in permaculture or horticulture because uh, she just worries about her farm now. I could use a place like hers to actually teach classes, and I could make money that way and spread the word about natural living. I'll become a full-blown tree-hugging hippie, folks, which I've never imagined I would be in my life. But I can make money off those classes. You can also make money off of designing. So I don't know if you guys ever heard uh, Food Forest Abundance, right? That's a guy, he's been on many podcasts. I'm going to try to get him on over here. Well, they're hiring designers uh, for their customers that want to turn their half acre into a permaculture type farm there's a lot of companies like that so you can get hired uh, by companies to come in and do permaculture work so there's ways that you can monetize these certificates so they're not completely useless now big picture for me what i was thinking one obviously it's the skills i'm going to take to our homestead if we get one in west virginia the piece of land in poland work it into the show over here at the same time i've been thinking about what type of groups I can go out and speak to about technocracy and transhumanism because I do want to go out in the real world and start to spread the word there. I've been thinking about certain sects of uh, Christianity, maybe some churches, places where there's already organized groups and I can come and speak on this. But I don't want to have a lecture that's 90 minutes and I get to the end and I go, ha ha, that's the darkness. Just sit back and wait because it's end times and we're all going to die. I want to have some sort of solutions uh, to how people can escape this in their real lives. And I'm thinking this is a very marketable approach to say I do a 90-minute lecture on the dangers of technology, uh, the artificial intelligence, personal Jesus Antichrist, central bank digital currency for a 90-minute lecture. We take a break and I come back for 90 minutes and I talk about permaculture and horticulture. So it becomes a well-rounded speech. I actually feel like I'm doing something good. I'm showing people what's actually coming and then what they can start to do in their lives even how to grow vegetables if they're stuck in a little apartment all the way to if they've just got a little piece of property in a city or a piece of property in the suburbs or a piece of property out in a rural area so it becomes a well-rounded lecture now that's not just about the problems 
but also about real solutions. And I don't want to just tell people, turn to God and he'll work it out for you. And don't worry about the rapture might be coming and you'll be saved. I want to actually give people stuff they can do in their life. So for me, this permaculture and horticulture fits into the show it fits into me being able to speak about it publicly i can monetize that if i wanted to teach classes and just that i can then spin it into actually working on my pieces of property so it's something that makes sense to me more than going hey i'm going to spend all this time getting a new certificate in programming cobalt and i can go find jobs for 80 or ninety thousand dollars a year and i can wait around for three years until ai is uh, doing the coding and then i'm out of work again right this is something you could take with you for a lifetime i can work it into the show it fits my brand it'll make me feel good it's something i could pass on to my son these skills of how to farm uh, permanently and then how to farm vegetables and stuff that come back annually at the same time with the gold and silver which is something that's sort of immediate cash and you're building a local client base of people that you know want to buy gold as an investment, you might be able to sell them the horticulture and the permaculture skills as well. Hey, guys, you got a half acre here in Potomac, Maryland. You seem to have a lot of money. I also do this. So gold and silver, because it's a commodity, gold's been traded as money for thousands of years, fits into the permaculture and the horticulture, and it all fits in to the dust and gold standard. So this is kind of what I'm working on, is my plans for 2023. And my goal is by January 1st, I need to have this written down as a real plan and then i'm going to start working towards achieving those goals all right we talk about solutions these are real solutions and i don't want to burst your bubble i don't want to pierce your worldview but you have to come to the realization at some point that there is no billionaire coming to save you there's no politician coming to save you even if some guy running for office is a good guy i guarantee you he does not understand everything we've talked about here in 118 episodes. How is he going to save you if he doesn't know about the dangers of transhumanism and technocracy and central bank digital currency and artificial intelligence and uh, transcranial electronic stimulation helmets and all the programs that our government's involved in and the true history of our country and Operation Paperclip and MK Ultra? How is he going to save you? What is that guy going to do to make your life better you have to make your own life better you have to build the skill set that you can use to free yourself from these supply chains from the grocery stores build a community of folks in your life that are like-minded that you can lean on and that you're there for them when they need you these are the things you need to be focused on folks figure out how to create multiple revenue streams some that play online in the technocrat sandbox if you can keep squeezing those coins out of there in the meantime but also build something locally that you can operate in uh, a cash-based type business and then start to think about long-term skills that you can utilize. You know, you go take one of these permaculture courses, they're like $1,200. 
All right? Cut a couple of things out. Sell one of your flat screen TVs and your kid's Xbox or something. Put the money together and you take a class like this. And the next thing you know, you take your little suburban quarter acre lot and you're growing food all over the place and you cut the grocery store out. These are realistic things without trying to figure out how you're going to buy 10 acres in West Virginia. I know not everyone could do that and not everyone wants to do that. That's the thing. We all have different goals. So I'm putting my goals out there for you to see, talking about solutions I'm looking at to start to free myself from this system as much as possible. And hopefully, folks, with this little post-Christmas special, I may have sparked you to start thinking outside the box. Start thinking differently. Start thinking about skills that you can acquire now. They're going to help you in the long run. Don't think so short term. Think long term. Think about what you really want. But you got to work fast because these guys are approaching 2030. That's a big year for them where they want to have a lot of this stuff into place. And so we need to get our lives in order. We need to get our families in order. And we need to start making these moves now and stop procrastinating. Ladies and gentlemen, I really thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully you listened to this. Hopefully you gained a lot from it. Feel free to leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts with a comment. A few people did that over Christmas. We really appreciate it. Really nice comments, folks. People have said that I have integrity, uh, honesty. You know, that really makes me feel good because the person that you hear here, it is me. I try to be open and honest with you. I don't hide anything from you. Part of this show is is about being open and honest. Uh, feel free to leave us a donation if you want to support the show, donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. And then you can join us for the ad-free video version of this podcast as well as the Thomas Paine podcast and access to a like-minded group of folks. It's the beginning of building your community. You can do that over at Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope you all have a joy prosperous and productive 2023 i'll see you tomorrow for episode 119 the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.